Well, hey guys, we're going to continue uh, on in our study through the Gospel of John. Uh, we've officially been in John 22 weeks, um, and we still haven't finished chapter 8. Uh, we've been in chapter 8 for five weeks, uh, or no, four weeks, um, and we're finishing chapter 8 this week. We're doing it. We're doing it. I, I was with a group of pastors uh, last Wednesday. Uh, and I was telling them, yeah, we're studying the book of John, uh, and uh, we're 22 weeks in, and we haven't got through chapter 8. And one of the guys was like, amen, uh, hopefully it takes you like three years to get through John. And I was like, okay, it's not going to take us that long, uh, but props for your digging in uh, to God's Word. Last week, I want to do just a little bit of recap, uh, because I know we got some uh, some faces that haven't been here in a while, a few new faces. Um, and so John chapter 8, uh, the progression is this, Jesus was at... Uh, the Feast of Booths, uh, and he's chilling in the temple, uh, he's preaching, after six days he's preaching, and uh, we have uh, these Pharisees uh, who drag a woman in, and they say, Jesus, we caught this woman in adultery, we caught her in the very act, uh, the law says stone her, let's stone her, and uh, Jesus says nothing, he actually ignores them, he gets down on his knees and starts drawing the sand, uh, and this whole uh, process of, of Jesus calling out sin uh, and those who are accusatory uh, and those who are broken, Jesus says, uh, where are your accusers? Uh, no one is here to accuse you. Uh, go and sin no more. And so Jesus then uh, instructs people to sin no more. He then goes on to say, I am the light of the world. Uh, and you can abide in me. Uh, then he goes on to uh, break down um, more about who he is. Uh, and there starts being some contention. Uh, and last week... Uh, we saw that Jesus said, uh, if we abide in his word, uh, his word uh, will reveal truth and the truth will set us free. Uh, and that if we are slaves to sin, uh, we can have freedom through Christ and through his word. Uh, we looked at what that Greek word uh, abide means. Does anyone remember what that Greek word abide is? Yeah, meno. And it means to... Yeah, intentionally remain, constantly remain with intention uh, in God's word. And we looked at how if you are a doulos to sin, which is slave, completely controlled by, uh, that you can be uh, set free. And we looked at what sin means and we prayed. It was great. Uh, I believe God set people free. Um, and now we're going to jump into uh, the biggest portion of this chapter, uh, biggest by number of verses. Uh, and we're going to look at verses 37 through uh, 59. If you're taking notes, uh, though, the title of week 22, uh, I saw the light, the gospel according to John, uh, the title of the message is Doctrine. Okay? It's Doctrine. Uh, and then you see up here on the screen, uh, Q and A. Uh, does anyone know what Q and A stands for? Uh, Wesley got it right. Uh, it stands for Quails and Anchovies. Uh, no, it stands for question and answer. And so what we're going to do, and, 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 and some of you guys got a text from me this afternoon uh, that said, come with questions. Um, I'm sure some of you did, some of you maybe didn't. Um, but what we're going to talk about, and you're going to kind of see uh, as we look at God's word, as we look at just a few points that I have for us, um, I'm going to kind of point your questions in a certain direction. Uh, so we're going to spend probably the next 20 minutes uh, teaching from God's Word. Uh, so the next 20 minutes doing a sermon, me preaching and whatnot. 
And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to open uh, the floor up to you guys. Uh, and based off the topics uh, that we're covering uh, in the message tonight, uh, I want you guys to be able to ask questions. Uh, and hopefully um, the questions and the answers that come from God's Word are going to better equip each and every single one of us uh, to truly be uh, disciple makers, to truly be soul winners, uh, to truly be evangelists. Uh, and, and to see God's kingdom furthered. So, with that being said, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 37. And when you get to John chapter 8, let me know by saying holla. Uh, and if you're not there yet, let me know by saying hold up. Wow, nice word. Okay, so while you guys are there in John chapter 8, put your finger, that's how I do it. I hold like this with my index finger ready to go. Put your index finger in it, close your Bible up. Okay, now put them up in the air. I know, I'm left-handed. It doesn't work for writing, does it? All right, yeah. Wave your Bibles around for a second. Okay, awesome. Look at that. We got a bunch of Bibles. Does everyone have a Bible in here tonight? Does anyone not have a Bible? Everyone's got a Bible. That is a first for Ecclesia. Give yourself a hand. That's a first for Ecclesia. Awesome. We only have one or two people. Everyone has a Bible. That's awesome. I love it. And, uh, but you raised a smartphone, didn't you? No. Oh, do you have a smartphone? Oh, okay. She's got her Bible. See, everyone's got Awesome, awesome. Uh, I encourage you guys, uh, bring your Bibles every week. Uh, and I want to encourage you this also. Uh, bring your Bibles wherever you go. Okay? Uh, I think it's cool. For those of you who have cell phones, you really can bring your Bible everywhere you go. Uh, but for those of us who've got leather bounds or, or cardboard bounds or whatnot, uh, you can still bring that everywhere you go as well. I keep my Bible with me in my car uh, every place I go because uh, you never know when you're going to need it. And so, uh, that being said, uh, continue to be in God's Word. Abide in it. Continuously remain intentional. Abide. Amen. It's awesome. Verse 37. It says this. John chapter 8. It says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, uh, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do not, or you do what you have seen with your father. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. And you do the deeds of your father. And then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father and one God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and have come from God. Nor have I of, uh, come of myself, but of he who has sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and, be, and the desires of your father uh, you do. Um, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, uh, you do not believe in me. Uh, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why uh, do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear, because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered him and said, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now, you, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, uh, you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I do keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. And how could you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. And then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. And so he passed by. Uh, dear God, we just pray in the next few moments. Uh, God, as we look at what your perfect word has to say, uh, God, that we would be uh, truly transformed. That we would know what it means uh, to truly be a follower of Christ. Uh, what it means to believe in Christ. What it means to believe uh, in God. Uh, what it means to follow God. Uh, I pray that we would have an understanding of who the Father is. Um, who our Father is if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. God, and I pray that we would learn what it means to do uh, the will of the Father, do the works of the Father, uh, and know the Father's will. God, we pray that your word would convict us, it would challenge us, that it would encourage us and inspire us. God, I pray that none of these would be my words, uh, but God, that it would be you uh, who speaks to us. And God, that your word uh, would reveal truth to us tonight. Anything that would be of me may I not be able to get it out of my mouth. Uh, and God, if it does, may it fall on deaf ears. Your perfect word is going to give us. So God, we just thank you, uh, and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Hey, before we dive any further, uh, I just thought it was really cool uh, when we were in groups and we were praying during worship. Uh, right as we were getting done uh, with that last song, Aaron came up to me, and Aaron prayed for me. Um, and as he was praying, um, he said something uh, that I thought was very uh, poignant, very real, uh, very true. I know for me, uh, it's it's very tangible. It's something we prayed for uh, in our pre-service prayer group. Um, but just that the presence of the Lord would fill this place, uh, and it would be like, man, like I feel like God's going to do something awesome tonight. And, and Aaron, when he came up, he was praying for me. I was already feeling it. I came up during the shaking hands time. I said, Bo, uh, I'm feeling like God's going to do something cool. Let's pray and let's go back into worship after we pray. Aaron came up to me and he said, like, I just feel like God's doing something crazy in this place. I can feel God's presence. We prayed for a free service prayer. So uh, if you just think Jesus is awesome, uh, you just want to let him know by making a little bit of noise. Yeah? All right. Yeah. Like, let's give it up for God. Uh, I, think, I think tonight's going to be fun. Uh, Wesley uh, came up to me also during worship. He just said, dude, I think it's awesome that you said come with questions. Um, and, and I believe when we come with intention, like we learned last week, like Sam reminded us that word abide means. When we come with intention, uh, I think God uh, shows up with a little bit of intention in and of himself. Uh, he's like, because uh, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Uh, abide in me and I will abide with you. Uh, these are very real principles, uh, kingdom principles of God. 
Uh, I think when we show up uh, to God's presence with intention, uh, I think God uh, shows us His presence with intention. Uh, when, when we show up say, like saying, God, I want something from you, uh, I think God gives something to us with that same intention. Um, this is completely uh, not even involved with the sermon, but I just want to uh, draw your attention to this. When uh, Jacob uh, was wrestling, uh, Jacob one night was chilling out in the wilderness, uh, and, and the Bible tells us uh, that there was an angel like the Son of Man who came, uh, and they got into a wrestling match. Uh, and many theologians would believe that this is what is called a Christophany, or, or a appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ, uh, Jesus coming to earth in his heavenly body before he became a man. Uh, and so Jacob wrestles with Jesus uh, for all night, uh, which that, that tells me something. Uh, it means that Jacob had some intention uh, in order to wrestle Jesus for an entire night. At one point... Uh, Jesus gets Jacob down and tries to leave, uh, but Jacob's like, you ain't leaving yet, and he like grabs onto him and pulls him back. Uh, and that encourages me, uh, because Jacob says, uh, I need more. Uh, even though he was wrestling, uh, he said, I need more. I need more. I need more. Uh, and I think that's an encouragement for us. Uh, come to God with that same enthusiasm of, I'm going to grab you. No, uh, you can't leave yet, because uh, I need more. I need more. And when we have that intention, when we draw near to God, uh, I think he has that same intention with us. Uh, at, at that point, he changes Jacob's name to Israel uh, and says, uh, it is in your uh, descendants uh, that the entire earth is going to be changed. Uh, and so, uh, who knows? When you seek God uh, with intention, uh, who knows what he's going to do? He could legitimately change the world uh, through you with the intention when you come. Uh, he's going to say, you know what? With that intention, I can do so much. Uh, with that willingness... I can do a lot. Uh, with that desire to be in my presence, uh, I'm going to change the world through you. And so I just want to encourage you guys uh, with that. That's completely um, off of, it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, but I believe the presence of God is here, uh, and I believe that's for somebody. Uh, if, 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 if maybe it's just for one of you, that's great. Uh, but I have a feeling and I have a, a belief that it is uh, for more than just one of you. Uh, and so approach God with intention uh, and don't leave uh, his presence until you get what you're asking for and you continue to push to push to push um, I think someone said push stands for uh, pray until something happens uh, yeah I think that's what push stands for so push 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 pray until something happens because God's going to do something uh, in your circumstances and in your life awesome uh, so uh, this is a section of scripture uh, that is one of the reasons why I think Jesus is just so awesome. Um, we're going to do something different than we normally ever do. You know when we like go verse by verse, we like read it all, then we go back to the beginning, and we work our way through? Let's start with the very last verse that we read. Um, I know this is Aaron's like favorite verse in the Bible. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible also. Uh, but... Uh, lest anyone be led astray, lest anyone doubt, uh, Jesus uh, was a ninja. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Amen. That 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 could be the title for the message, uh, but it's not. Uh, but Jesus, uh, when he's about to get stoned, all of a sudden does his Jesus thing, and from the like center of attention, like sneaks back into the crowd and dodges all the stones, <laughs> and then just gets out of there. 
And so I think that's really cool. Um, Jesus, uh, Jesus did something that was really, really cool uh, in this whole thing. Now I'm going to jump us back to, to verse 48. Because the Jews, in this situation, they're giving Jesus a hard time. Uh, Jesus is trying to explain to them who the Father is. And Jesus has just called them out. Uh, and how many of you guys, when you get called out, how many of you guys have ever been called out before? Anyone ever be called out before? Okay. I think we've all been called out. Uh, and I know how I react when I get called out. And my first reaction when I get called out is to like respond in like uber defense mode. Not just defense mode, but like uber defense mode. Uh, the Jews uh, respond to Jesus' calling out, Jesus' conviction, uh, with this intense response. Uh, they've been calling him rabbi. They've been listening to his teaching. And when they get called out by Jesus, they like take a jump back, like defense mode, and they're like, wait a minute. You must be a Samaritan who's demon-possessed. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing about that statement. Because all these people know who Jesus is. Uh, they know that he's from Nazareth. They know that he's not a Samaritan. Um, and, and, and we've talked on Tuesday nights before about what it means to be a Samaritan in the Jewish culture. Uh, it, like Jews uh, hated Samaritans. Uh, Samaritans were those uh, who had come back uh, or, or, or when the Jews had come back from exile, they were the Jews who had stayed in the land and like intermarried with the pagans uh, who were around them and started their own culture and whatnot. And they still adhered to the law, but they just believed they worshipped in another place. Uh, and the Jews hated these uh, non-purebred uh, uh, Jews. And so uh, when they called Jesus a Samaritan, they're like um, the equivalent... I don't even want to use... Uh, Phrases from today, but 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 uh, you don't have to think too hard to imagine slang terms uh, that people have used that are extremely derogatory. Um, I mean, like growing up, um, well, none, none of us grew up then, but our parents grew up in a in a time uh, where there was a lot more slang, a lot more derogative terms used to different people because of their ethnicities, um, and like some very very harsh things. Uh, it's still used today, uh, and and. Um, this is kind of the same situation. They're like saying Jesus is the worst of the worst, using the most slang, the most derogative term there could be. Uh, but just to put the icing on the cake, not only do they say, well, you must be a Samaritan, they say, well, you must also be demon-possessed. Uh, they're saying, you know what, Jesus, you're crazy. Uh, and they just hit him with everything. Um, and I love Jesus' response. Because uh, he says... I can just imagine, uh, because you know how you are when you get confronted and, and you like lash out back. Like I can imagine the Jews' response was, well, okay, Jesus, uh, do we not say rightly that you're a Samaritan and you're demon-possessed? And then they like, get very indignant with Jesus, like ready to fight him on the spot. And I can just see Jesus there, like sitting back and goes, no, no, I don't have a demon. Uh, I just do the will of my Father. And like that just humble... Like meekness uh, and, and, and peaceful spirit of Jesus probably made them even more mad, you know. Uh, and, and and what Jesus does, and he just shows um, how to be uh, someone who who even when confrontation comes, uh, if you stick to what is true and you stick to uh, what is right, uh, you can make it through any argument, any debate, any situation in your life. And we're going to talk about uh, some situations that could arise uh, in just a second. Now jump with me all the way back to verse 37. 
because uh, Jesus said, hey, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me uh, because my word has no place in you. Uh, they had been making the, the claim to Jesus that they were uh, sons and daughters of Abraham and that they were all part of the same family uh, and that Jesus was blasphemous because he was claiming uh, to be uh, a son of God. Um, and they're thinking, this is crazy, Jesus, you're blasphemous. Like, we want to kill you now, but we want to give you a chance uh, to speak your case. Uh, and, and what Jesus does in the next few verses uh, is he unfolds um, the really uh, the motives and the intents uh, of these folks' hearts. Uh, he, he gets down uh, to the truth of the matter. Uh, and, we, and what we learned last week is God's word brings freedom. Uh, but even more, uh, God's word reveals truth. And Jesus is going to use the word. Uh, Jesus being the word, the logos, in the beginning was the word. Uh, Jesus is going to use himself to reveal some truth uh, and really to reveal the intents of their heart. That's what it says in verse 42. And I think I might actually have verse 42 up on a slide. Yeah, it says, uh, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he who sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Here's the thing. Um, They were saying uh, that God is their father. They were saying uh, that Father Abraham, many sons, many sons have father. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, all the daycare teachers are like, I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, um, Father Abraham, uh, they're saying, yeah, he's our father. Like, we are descendants of Abraham. And by blood, by DNA, by uh, course of genealogy, yes, they were. Uh, but they were saying, we're sons of Abraham uh, in a spiritual sense. Uh, his blessing is passed on through us. Uh, we are... Uh, the awesomeness that was promised to Abraham. We are the blessing that will change the world. We are the seed of Abraham. Uh, well, Jesus is going to say, man, y'all got it wrong. Uh, there is only one seed, and that seed is me. Uh, and eventually down the line, they're going to crucify him because of that. Uh, but Jesus says something in the very next verse uh, that is the ultimate punch to the face. Uh, John, if you want to hit that next slide... In John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, Yeah, you know what? You are of your father, and your father is the devil. Okay, Before I even finish the verse. Uh, that's got to be the biggest slap to the face. Uh, because the Jews who Jesus is talking to here, they're not just your everyday Jews off the street. Uh, these are the scribes. These are the priests. These are the, fa- uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, not the Pharisees and the Pharisees. Uh, like, these are the doctors of the law. These are the chief theologians. Uh, these are the rabbis, the upholders of what is supposed to be righteous. Uh, these are the pastors, the priests, the bishops, the popes, if you want to use modern day terms. Uh, they are uh, the guys who should be leading people uh, to righteousness, people to holiness. Uh, yet, uh, they're being called sons of the devil. Uh, let me come back to that in just a second. Uh, and then Jesus goes on to say, and the desires of your father you want to do. Well, Jesus already broke down 
a little while ago for us uh, what the, the devil's purpose is here. Uh, the devil roams around like a lion, uh, a lion seeking whom he may uh, devour. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so what Jesus does uh, is he takes the devil, uh, who to Jews at the time, uh, and Jews are present, and so pretty much anyone who believes in uh, spiritual things, the devil is like the ultimate of evil, the ultimate of bad, uh, and Jesus now uh, puts them in the same category as him, uh, because he says, whatever he desires to do, you also desire to do. He's telling these Pharisees, uh, these pastors, these bishops, these dudes who were in charge of uh, the church at the time, this is pre-Christian, so this is uh, the synagogue uh, and whatnot, but he's telling uh, those holy of holy uh, Jewish people um, and, and, and leaders, you are coming, uh, seeking whom you may devour. Uh, you have come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Uh, and we don't have time tonight because, like I said, we're going to do some other things. Um, but we could really look at examples of how they were doing that to the people. Uh, how they were coming to devour. How they were coming to steal. How they were coming to kill. How they were coming to destroy. Uh, and, and, and just the way they taught, the doctrines they taught, um, their beliefs uh, were so, so anti uh, what God had taught uh, through Abraham, through Moses, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so Jesus really calls them out. Uh, John, uh, the apostle, uh, a few weeks ago we talked about how he was Yoda and all that good stuff. Uh, John was awesome, okay, and he lived to a very old age. Uh, church history would tell us that John died somewhere around 101 AD. Uh, John, uh, during the course of his life, uh, he had uh, grown up, while, while he was walking with Jesus, most scholars believe he was like 14, uh, he was the youngest of all the disciples, he was just a little kid, you know, uh, chilling with Jesus and doing all this stuff, um, and so he grows up and he outlives all, all of his fellow disciples and whatnot, um, but as he got older, he, uh, he did what we're called to do, he made disciples, uh, and, and a few of his disciples uh, have made it into the history books. Uh, one of his disciples is a guy by the name of Papias. Uh, Papias wrote uh, a few manuscripts that we have still existing today, uh, and he breaks down some amazing, amazing theological points that, that, that emerge out of the first century of Christianity. Another one of his uh, disciples was a guy by the name of Ignatius, um, who we have surviving from Ignatius, like six letters uh, to six of the churches uh, throughout early church history, and, and he breaks down some, some awesome theology uh, and, and really expounds on what the uh, what the disciples had written down, what the Gospels had to say, and, and, and all Paul's epistles. Uh, and another one of John's uh, disciples was a guy by the name of Polycarp. Uh, and Polycarp's one of my heroes. Uh, he, he was martyred for his faith. Um, it, it is said that Polycarp, when he was on his way uh, to be uh, killed for his faith, he, he, he said, uh, lion uh, and bear can tear me to pieces. You can pulverize my bones but nothing can take away the joy I have because of my father. And he just says some really, really, uh, really just like uh, romantic things uh, about uh, his uh, life and the reality of, of heaven and the hope that we have in the future. It's really cool. Um, but in his only epistle that we have, uh, he's writing back to the churches, uh, and he says this. This is, the, this is a quote that I think is really, really cool, and it has to do with what we're talking about. It says, For everyone who shall not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, uh, that person is Antichrist. Uh, and whosoever shall not confess the testimony of the cross is of the devil. And whosoever shall pervert the oracles of the Lord to his own lusts 
and say that there is neither resurrection nor judgment, that man uh, is the firstborn of, and it skips off uh, because it didn't fit, uh, it says the firstborn of Satan. And uh, uh, when we break down what this point uh, and, and what he says here, uh, he's pretty much saying, uh, he echoes what John says in 1 John, that if you come and you deny that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, you have the spirit of Antichrist. Not the spirit of the Antichrist uh, that's mentioned in Revelation. Just uh, you are an Antichrist. You are against Christ. You are opposed to Christ. Uh, who shall ever so not confess the testimony of the cross, uh, so acknowledge what Jesus did on the cross, is of the devil. Uh, and then uh, this, the, the, this last portion of this is what I really wanted to focus on. So I'm going to skip over it. Who shall ever shall pervert the oracles of the Lord to his own lust. Um, I'm going to skip over that because we're going to come back to that in just a second. Um, but the last part says, uh, and say that there is neither resurrection nor judgment that man is firstborn of Satan. Here's the thing. That's what these guys were teaching. The Pharisees were teaching. There is no resurrection of the dead. There is no final judgment. You live here. You better be holy here because if you're not, you're dead. You're gone. There's, there's nothing for you. There's only uh, righteousness and paradise if you, if you live for Christ. And, and so, so they teach this anti-godly uh, doctrine. Um, and so Jesus says, hey, you're a son of the devil. Um, but Polycarp says here, uh, who shall, whosoever shall uh, pervert the oracles of the Lord to his own lusts. Uh, that's what I really want us to focus on uh, tonight. Because uh, I think this is what Jesus uh, was really focusing on with these guys. They had twisted and perverted doctrine. They had twisted and perverted uh, scripture uh, to their own desires, to their own uh, gain. Um, and something takes place uh, when Jesus starts to point out um, these, these uh, nuances, these uh, subtle changes they've made to truth, these subtle doctrines they've made um, to faith uh, and, and, and what it means to follow the Lord and have God as their Father. Um, how many of you guys have ever uh, been in a really dark room before? Anyone been in a dark room before? Um, I'm going to take this up the next level, because uh, no one just sits in a dark room. It's weird. How many of you guys have been sleeping? And you're like, you're having the greatest night sleep you've ever had. You know, like the temperature's perfect. The white noise is at the most perfect level. Uh, your your comforter is feeling better than ever. Uh, your pillows, for some reason that night, were just so, like, amazing. Uh, and you were having the greatest night sleep ever. Okay? Uh, I want all you guys to close your eyes. Just imagine that. Okay? Right? Right? Now, don't fall asleep on me, because that wouldn't be fair. Uh, but just imagine that feeling that you had that awesome sleep. Uh, now, someone walks in your room and just throws the lights on. That's going to cost you. Or punch that person. Say it a little bit louder, Aaron. Yeah. I hate that. Right? Okay. Um, this is what happened uh, when Jesus was, was talking to the Pharisees. Uh, because they were chilling. Uh, they were just sleeping, doing their thing, you know, in darkness, but Jesus sheds a little bit of light, uh, and that light was very, very frustrating. Uh, they did not like that light whatsoever. Um, how many of you guys, when that happens, you like yell, you're like, turn the lights back off! Uh, or, if, if, if you can't get that out of your mouth because you're so groggy, you're like, okay, and you're just like, ah! You like grab your comforter, like wrap yourself up in it, trying to hide yourself in the darkness. How many of you guys have ever done that, right? You like try and wrap yourself back up in the darkness. Uh, and that's what these guys did. Jesus shined some light, uh, and the light was very, very abrasive. Okay, now all you guys are going to go home tomorrow morning when you wake up because the sun's sneaking in the room. You're going to be like, 
oh, Jesus, I see the light. Okay. Um, but that's what these dudes, these dudes, they were, they were not happy about what Jesus uh, was doing. And here's the thing. We learned last week in verse 32 uh, that the truth shall set you free. Uh, but we live in a day, in an age, uh, and I know it's already 920, 820. It's not 9.20. I'm just messing with you. It's already 8.20, and I want to get to, to the question and answer time. Uh, and, and so I'm going to segue us into this Q&A time uh, with this. Uh, we live in a day and age uh, where there is faith, um, there is religion, uh, and there are very sincere people in our world who are sincerely wrong because they have perverted the oracles or the, the truths of the Lord uh, to seek after their own lust, their own desires. Turn with me, if you will, uh, to the book of 1 Timothy, uh, chapter 4, and, and we're going to read verse 1. It says this, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. We live in latter times. We live uh, in what these people would have said, the distant future. Uh, and there are people who have left the faith uh, and who have heeded uh, evil spirits uh, and who have heeded the doctrines of demons, the doctrines of the devil. Uh, if, if you flip uh, just a few pages over uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, um, we're told that there's going to be those uh, who leave uh, faith, leave truth, leave true doctrine because they have itching ears. Uh, not because they legitimately have like an itch on their ears and they have to itch. No, they have ears that no longer want to hear truth, uh, but are enticed uh, by what sounds good rather than what sounds true. Uh, and this is happening inside the confines of Christianity. Uh, and this has happened uh, very drastically. Um, people have left the faith uh, to seek after their own lusts and their own desires. Um, I mean, if we were to jump as far back to those who, during Paul's time, uh, were considered Gnostics, uh, those who had perverted uh, the truth of God's Word, uh, turned it into some weird, just really creepy uh, idea of reality, of spirituality. Um, I mean, uh, some of the early Gnostics in, in the second century, guys like Valentinius, you guys can look at him up, he has nothing to do with Valentine's Day, another guy who had that man, uh, and uh, he had some really, really, really weird uh, beliefs of Christianity because they were being drawn away and enticed by their own lusts, and so uh, their whole faith and spirituality had to do with sex and sexuality. I mean, some really disgusting things were taking place in the name of Christ, in the name of faith. Uh, it continues on, and uh, there were other people like Manny and a few other people. I mean, we're, we're getting to 5th century, 6th century, 7th uh, century. 7th uh, century, a guy comes along uh, from the peninsula of Arabia. His name's Muhammad. Uh, he doesn't float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Uh, it's a different Muhammad. Uh, and, and he starts having these visions and saying, all right, God's speaking to me. Um, I better listen to what he has to say. Uh, but he's not hearing from God. Uh, he's hearing the doctrines of demons. Uh, angels appear to him uh, and say, uh, this is the revelation of Allah. and uh, mm -hmm. This is his final revelation to earth. Uh, 
The Old Testament, they had it right. The New Testament, they had it right. But now, it's perverted. We need new truth. He pens down what he hears from the doctrine of these angels that showed up. He pens out what's called the Quran. And within the next 200 years, Islam takes over that region of the world. And now a new faith has arised. And it has become, to this day, uh, it is in the top three world religions. Uh, and it is number two in the world. Uh, and it is one of the fastest growing religions of the world. Uh, and here's the scary thing. Muhammad grew up in a Christian home. But because circumstances, left the faith, went to his own lusts, uh, didn't teach the testimony of the cross, didn't teach that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, so firstborn of Satan. Then you fast forward a little bit more to the 1800s, uh, and a guy uh, by the name of Joseph Smith, treasure seeker doing his thing, uh, being enticed and led away because he didn't agree with what was going on in the church. And so he left, being enticed by his own desires, uh, says, ooh, what do you know? I found these golden tablets. Let me write down what they say. Uh, let me look through this occultic seeing stone and write down my, my own doctrines. Now we have a religion called Mormonism uh, that it has formed. It is like the fastest growing religion there is in the world. Uh, and it is doctrine of the demons. Cloaked in the name of spirituality, Jesus, those Latter-day Saints of Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, and, I mean, it's cloaked, but it is drawing people away. Okay, now we jump into the box of Christianity. Uh, people are leaving truth, leaving doctrine, uh, and going to the things which sound good. Uh, prosperity, okay? Uh, that, in, in the way that it's being taught today, has nothing to do with what the Bible has to say. Uh, and, and so we just get into all these weird places when we're being led away uh, by our own desires, by our own enticings. So what I want to do, and the way I want to direct us for the next, oh, 15 to 20 minutes or so, uh, is we're going uh, to have a Q&A time. Uh, because I've mentioned Mormonism, I've mentioned Islam, uh, I've, I, I've mentioned just briefly uh, prosperity gospel and other things in Christianity, uh, Gnosticism, uh, there's modern day Gnosticism, like Jehovah's Witness, uh, there's a lot of other uh, Church of Christian Science, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that are popping up, and as y'all are young adults, uh, a lot of you are on campuses, other of you uh, have, uh, you run into people on the job site, uh, you will have an opportunity to come into contact with a lot of uh, people of different faiths uh, that are very close to your own, uh, but that have been twisted and perverted. Uh, and I think it's good for us because we're told by the Apostle Paul that we are to be ready in season and out, uh, being ready to give an answer, breaks it down even more, be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have uh, in Christ Jesus. And I think it'd be good for us uh, to be well ready, ammoed up, ready to go to battle. Because Jesus, he was, uh, when they threw some reviling words at him, he just said, yo, I've got a demon. i got truth. You want to hear it? And, uh, and so I want to just open the floor to you guys. Uh, I've got a lot of questions that I could just ask and then answer myself. Uh, but that doesn't do you guys any good. I mean, it could do you good. Uh, but I want to hear uh, some questions from you. Uh, and then we're going to look at God's Word, and we're going to break down um, some answers. And I think we're going to continue this train of thought next week. Uh, because we don't have a lot of time this week. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to continue this train of thought next week. So we're going to have time tonight uh, for probably three or four questions. Um, 
and then we're going to pick up with some Q&A, Doctrine Q&A Part 2 uh, next week. Does that sound good? Okay, awesome. So Sam has his hand up and has uh, patiently for the last one. Uh, Sam, I want you to ask your question, and since we're recording these, and we record the messages every week, um, maybe you guys aren't able to take down all the notes uh, that... The answer is, uh, when, when Sam asks this question, uh, when Sam asks this question, I'm going to reiterate what the question is so that it gets on the recording, and then you can get the recording from me uh, if, if there was a point in one of the questions that you had uh, or, or you wanted to hear an answer. So, Sam, your question is... Okay, so just uh, one of the questions that I'm, I've heard, you know, decent amount of times is, why is a loving God centered it out? And so I think that would kind of be a good thing to, like, just be able to be ready about people ask that. Right, so did you guys all hear that? The question is, uh, why does a loving God, or why would a loving God, uh, send people to hell? Bo's raising his hand in the back. All right, so Bo says, well, a loving God doesn't send us to hell. Uh, Bo, would you like to elaborate a little bit on that? Well, if we reject Christ, we reject our... Right, okay, so, so so for those of you who didn't hear that, and, and so the recording can hear it, what Bo said is she said, well, a loving God doesn't send people to hell. Uh, it's when we reject Christ uh, that we say, I don't want to go down the road that leads to heaven, uh, so I'm choosing uh, to go to hell, uh, which is a very valid point. Uh, a loving God does not send people uh, to hell. Uh, a loving God gives people the opportunity to spend an eternity with him. And man uh, decides whether, you know what, what God has done for me, that sounds awesome, I want to spend an eternity with him, uh, or, yeah, I care less, God, I want to live my life and party, uh, and they fulfill the lyrics of the ACDC song, I'm on a highway to hell. Uh, it, it, it's a reality. So loving God does not send people to hell. Um, people choose to go there of their own free will of their own uh, accord, and uh, it's sad, it's a sad reality, uh, but the Word of God tells us uh, that God uh, wills and God wishes uh, that none would perish, but that all uh, would find life and find hope in Him, but the reality is uh, not everyone does. A question that most people segue off of that with uh, is, okay, well then why do good people go to hell? Why do good people go to hell? Uh, and the answer to that is also uh, very clear. Um, good people don't go to hell. Uh, there actually is no good people. Okay? Um, people are like, well, I mean, that person, they did this and that. Okay, their actions may have been good, but we're told in Scripture that even our greatest of actions are still filthy rags unto the Lord. Uh, there's no good people, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, when we have fallen short of the glory of God, uh, we have fallen short of goodness. Uh, because Adam sinned, uh, there is no good person in the world. Uh, because every single person has violated the Ten Commandments. And, and, and you might be sitting here thinking, well, I haven't violated all the Ten Commandments. Yeah, you have. Uh, you might not know it, but you have. Well, I've never killed someone. You might talk to someone and be like, uh, well, you've... You, you violated God's law. And they're like, well, I've never killed someone. I've never committed adultery. What does Jesus say? He says, I say if you have hatred in your heart, you've committed murder. I say if you've looked at a woman lustfully, if you've looked at a man lustfully, 
you committed adultery in your heart. Uh, it's a heart issue. Uh, and there's no one good. No one good uh, in this world. And, uh, and so then the next logical one, uh, and, 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 and I know when I hear that question answer, or, or asked, I'm like, okay, well, what about the people who never had a chance to hear about Jesus? Right? I, t- I see some people shaking their head because why would a loving God send people to hell? Uh, well, he doesn't because he gives a chance for everyone. But what about the people who never heard about Jesus? I mean, raise your hand if you've ever thought that, asked that, if, if you think that's a valid question. Like the people on the islands of Papua New Guinea who never saw a white person, so they never had the opportunity uh, to hear about Christ. What about them? Okay, very, very good question. Turn with me, if you will, or if you will, in your Bibles, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 20 says this. Okay, uh, it's, it's pretty intense. It says this. Okay. Uh, for since the creation of the world, uh, God's invisible qualities, his attributes, are being clearly seen and being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead. So that they, being man, being all humanity, is without excuse. So God's been making his plan of salvation known through his creation. How does that all come into contact uh, with people who have never heard the name of Jesus? Because the Bible says, uh, uh, no man comes unto the Father but through me, Jesus. Um, if you call upon the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. So what about the people who never heard the name Jesus? Uh, what happens to them? Well, here's the thing. We know that at some point in their life, they will be without excuse. Because God has been making his invisible attributes, his invisible qualities known through his creation. I could spend the next hour breaking down to you how the stars that we see in the night sky paint the picture uh, of the gospel and how people throughout millennia have been giving their heart to the Lord just because of what they see in the stars. Uh, And maybe I'll do that on on, on some other night. It's really amazing. Like the very stars uh, that we see and the constellations we see they're not just constellations by some joke or, or, or by some randomness, uh, but that since the beginning of time, we've been seeing these same constellations. Uh, and we're told in Job, we're told in Psalms, that this is a picture that was painted in the sky uh, that expresses the story of the gospel. Okay? And so I just gave you a big cliffhanger because we're not going to talk about this tonight, but maybe we'll open with it next week because I think it's uh, important. But now, uh, that verse still isn't very satisfying uh, it, it, it sounds good, but it's not always satisfying um, because it's like, well, okay, so they're without excuse. Does that mean they had a chance and they blew it? Okay, this is what it says. Turn with me just one page over to Romans chapter 2. Uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, because I think this brings some ease to the hearts uh, of people who are like, well, what about them? What about them? Uh, because here's the thing. God is sovereign. God is just. and God is loving. Uh, and he wishes that none would perish. So he makes himself clear to every single person. You can be 100% assured of this. That every single person who has ever lived on this earth has had the opportunity to either follow God or reject God. This is why. It says this, verse 11 of chapter 2. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law, will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, um, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, this is people who have not heard the truth, 
God's word, when Gentiles who do not have the law or God's word by nature do the things of the law, these, although uh, have not having the law, are a law unto themselves, who show the work of the law written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, uh, and between themselves their thoughts accusing them or excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. Here's the thing. For those who never heard the name of Jesus, uh, for those who never uh, saw a Bible or experienced a Christian, uh, here's the thing. Uh, God has been making himself known to all creation uh, through his creation. And so to the person who never heard, uh, they may have come to a point in their life uh, where they realize, okay, this is right and this is wrong. I mean, there's very real rights and wrongs. I mean, even the most blatant atheist knows what's right and what's wrong. Uh, there's morals. It's not okay to kill someone. Okay? Um, so, so there's some very real morals uh, there are in the world. Some people are like, wait, it's not okay to kill someone. Okay, yeah. Um, so, uh, to the person who said, you know what? I'm going to live morally. I'm going to uh, walk this path, and I'm going to do this. And I, I, I just want to pause here. This is not the American who says, I want to be spiritual and walk my own path. Okay. They have an opportunity to give to their heart to the Lord, like here and now. There's a church on every block in America. I mean, let's be real. Uh, so the opportunity to give your heart to I'm talking about the person who has never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. Uh, it says... Uh, that God does something uh, by writing his law on their hearts and in their conscience, and they make a cognizant decision. Uh, they might not know, I'm following Jesus. Maybe they will. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony of people uh, who have never heard the name of Jesus but had a dream or a vision, and Jesus comes to them and says, hey, follow me, and they drop everything and follow him. Uh, it, it happens, okay? Uh, but I believe there's going to be those who say, you know what? I'm living my life morally because there's something inside of me, something written on the very tablet of my heart that is telling me i got to do this. And when they die, uh, it says we're going to be judged by Jesus and by the gospel. And uh, I don't know what the courtroom in heaven looks like, but I think when that person shows up and they're like, and God says, uh, why should I let you into my kingdom? Um, and, and he's going to judge the worst of their life. Jesus is going to step in and say, yeah, that person's been following me. And they're going to look up and they're going to see Jesus and they're going to be like, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the one who, who, who I felt and I saw in my heart. Uh, and and, and it, is that exactly how it's going to come down? I don't know. It's kind of vague here in Scripture. Um, but if I look at what it says here in Romans, uh, I think it's very clear. Um, but here's the thing. That just gives us, as followers of Christ, a very privileged opportunity where we get to see Jesus, where we get to have uh, churches on almost every single street. Uh, Jesus said, go into all the world. Um, so for those people who didn't get a chance to hear, um, they had a chance to hear, but they didn't have a chance to see, or they didn't have a chance to hear, uh, that's in part to the laziness uh, of the modern church. And so if you're someone who's concerned about those who will never hear, I encourage you to pray first for them, but then seek the Lord and see how he might have you go reach them. Yeah? Okay? I think that's valid. Okay. Another question. Is it okay if we go a little, yeah. a few minutes longer? I mean, if you got to leave, feel free to bounce. We won't, like, curse you or anything like that. But uh, uh, you guys got more questions? Sam's ready to ask another one. <clears throat> I know. Does, does someone else got a question? Uh, or we're going to just let Sam fire off again. 
Sam's got a whole list of questions. That, that's one of the benefits of sitting in the front row. The pastor can see what you're writing, and Sam's got a list of questions. Uh, and he left space in between so we could write the answers. That was really cool. Sam, you got a question? Um, sort of. So I have a Mormon neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, they think they're just like, they see him as like I right. do. Like, how would I approach them? Like, this is what I believe and not the way that doesn't make Right, right. Okay, very good question. So Tammy said she had, uh, or, or she has a Mormon neighbor. Uh, they believe in Jesus, but uh, it's a different Jesus than we believe. Uh, how do you approach them and share the love of Christ with them? Uh, how many of you guys, uh, this will be a fun experiment. Um, how many of you guys know your neighbors? Okay. How many of you guys have uh, maybe Mormon neighbors within three or four houses from you? Any, anyone else got Mormon neighbors? Okay, I know I got Mormon neighbors. Okay, how many of you guys go to school with anyone who's Mormon? Anyone go to school with a Mormon? Anyone work with a Mormon? Keep, keep your hand up if you answered yes to any of these. Uh, how many of you guys went to school with any Mormons? Okay. So yeah, we've all come into contact with Mormons. Okay. We have um, a lot of friends. Uh, some of us have family uh, that are Mormon. And uh, Mormons, um, in most cases, at least when I've... Mormons are like the nicest people. Okay. Uh, I love uh, all my Mormon friends. Um, and when it comes to the lost, uh, this is going to sound really bad, uh, but it's just, it's me, and, and I'll be real with you. Uh, when it comes to those who are lost, uh, my heart breaks most for Mormons. Um, uh, and that sounds bad, because my heart shouldn't break for, for everyone who's lost. And it, and it does, but my heart breaks uh, most for Mormons. Um, because some of my closest friends uh, throughout high school were Mormons. And, uh, uh, they're so uh, sincere, um, but they're so sincerely wrong. Um, they they believe in Jesus, uh, but they do not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Um, and and so, um, before we just approach how to share the love of Christ with them, um, because if you have a conversation with a Mormon, uh, most of the time they're going to say, "Well, we're Christian too. We believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Like we believe the same thing." Uh, I want you guys all to know. Uh, that that is not a true statement. Uh, the Jesus that Mormonism believes in uh, is not the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, they believe uh, that Jesus is created. Um, they also believe that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. Um, they believe that, that Jesus and Lucifer both had an opportunity before creation to explain their plan of redemption. Uh, and that Lucifer's plan was going to be that everyone would just fall down and worship God. Uh, but Jesus said, let's give them a choice, uh, and then uh, let's give them the opportunity to choose right and wrong. Uh, and God liked Jesus' plan better, and Lucifer didn't like that, so he rebelled, and there was a war in heaven, and he lost, and so uh, he and all the fallen angels with him, they come now, and they're just evil spirits trapped on earth. Uh, and then so Jesus, this created being, uh, now uh, lives, uh, or, or, or lived here on earth. Uh, they believe that uh, he was not God on earth, that he was 100% man, but not God, uh, and that he only gained divineness uh, at his baptism, uh, and that he died, that he rose again, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Um, and, uh, but before he ascended into heaven, uh, when he rose again, he did his thing, 40 days with Jerusalem and whatnot, uh, and then he came over to the United States, which back then was just ancient North America, a lot of Native Americans and whatnot, uh, who Mormons believe uh, are descendants of the Israelites, um, 
of the lost tribes, and that Jesus then preached the gospel uh, of Mormonism to the Native Americans, and he rose again with the heaven and whatnot, and uh, they believed that these Indians had battles, and that uh, the Native Americans beat out the white Native Americans, and that the white Native Americans died, but they were the ones that held the truth, and then they buried the truth in the ground, and Joseph Smith found it and whatnot. Um, but it gets all the way down to the fact that uh, Mormons believe that Joseph Smith is even more important than Jesus. He did more for humanity than Jesus did. Um, so, all that being said, uh, the Jesus that Mormonism believes in is not the Jesus we believe in. Um, they add to Scripture. Uh, they, 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 they have more... Um, it, it, it's a new revelation because they believe that uh, the Bible that we have as uh, Protestant Christianity, as Catholic Christianity... Uh, they believed that our Bible was tainted, uh, that God needed to redo it, so he gave them the Book of Mormon. Uh, and so now that's what they preach from. So, to answer Tammy's question, there's just a little bit of Mormon background. To answer Tammy's question, uh, how do I share in a loving way that does not bash um, the Mormon faith or, 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 the, or the person? Um, uh, how do I share them with the love of Christ? Uh, and how do I share with them uh, that they don't believe uh, the same Jesus? One of my best friends uh, growing up uh, was Mormon. This is a conversation he and I had many, many, many times. Uh, he believed in Jesus. When I was younger, I just said, okay, that's chill. I don't have to get into an argument because, okay, you believe in Jesus. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, but the more I grew up, the more I realized truth, uh, I, I couldn't not tell him because uh, he did not believe in <coughs> so for uh, all, all those who have Mormon friends, uh, there's going to come a point um, where uh, the fact that they're dying and going to hell um, is going to outweigh, this is just my own personal opinion, this isn't from like the handbook of how to evangelize Mormon, uh, but there's going to come a point where you're going to have to realize that the reality of them going to hell um, is okay uh, making things awkward. It's worth it to make the situation awkward to reveal truth uh, if their eternal uh, destiny uh, is, is coming into play. Uh, how you do that tactfully, where they don't just slam the door on your face, um, that's now the process in the, in the battle, I think. Uh, because there will be some that slam the door on your face, and, I mean, on, on your face, and they just don't want to hear it. Um, but I believe the number one way to approach Mormons uh, is key. Before you actually have the physical approach, hey, let's talk about Jesus, uh, is to pray, pray, pray. Uh, because I believe, and I know you guys believe, uh, in a very real God, a very real Jesus, and a very real Holy Spirit. And I believe when Scripture says the Holy Spirit is drawing all men unto the Father, uh, when it says all men, uh, it means all men. And so that means your Mormon neighbor. That means my Mormon friends the Holy Spirit is drawing them unto the Father. Uh, whether they realize it or not. Um, I know with, with some of my Mormon friends, um, as crazy as this sounds, it's going to sound crazy, uh, but God used Mormonism to till the soil of their hearts that when truth was sown, the seed took up root. And they realized, okay, the morals I've been taught, they're good. The truth interlaid throughout Mormonism is good. Um, the Jesus I've been believing, the lie I've been believing, that's bad, and I want truth. 
uh, and it's when they receive that truth. Uh, and it's nothing that you're going to be able to do. Like you're not going to do any of the convincing. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit working on their heart. Uh, God might use you. Um, and so what I would encourage you there, uh, get studied up on, on what Mormonism believes. There's really great resources on how to reach out to Mormons and to evangelize to Mormons, the right questions to ask, uh, the right kind of like loopholes to like spin them around so they think they're right, and then they all of a sudden trap themselves in the box that only you can help them out of. Uh, so, so there's very like, like tactful ways of doing things, um, but the Holy Spirit ultimately is going to be the one who draws them. And so, I know for me, uh, it was, uh, it, I think the thing that that, that, that softened uh, the soil uh, with one of my Mormon friends in particular who, who ended up uh, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and is uh, not the Jesus of Mormonism, but is the Jesus of Christianity. And uh, and gave his heart to the Lord. Uh, I think for him, uh, the biggest thing uh, was was that regardless of our disbelief, regardless of our arguments, uh, I still loved him and still kept coming back. Uh, and it's it's that kind of annoying persistence uh, that I think is endearing. Um, you guys get what I'm saying when I say uh, annoying uh, persistence? Yeah. Uh, like like when you were in like third grade and, and you like had a crush on someone and you like kept like Pursuing, 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 uh, and, and just the like getting rejected, but continuing pursuing that was endearing. And they're like, "Okay, I'll be your Valentine," you know. Okay, uh, it 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 continues uh, in all areas of life, and, and and so I mean, it continues with God's word. Uh, God doesn't get annoyed with us, but if you're persistent, uh, He's going to continue to reveal. If that makes sense. So that's what I would do with Mormon friends. Um, continue to love them. Sometimes it takes time. Uh, the, the, the battle and the struggle will be what if they die tomorrow? Uh, did I waste my time that I spent with them? And that's always going to be nagging in the back of your mind. I know it always nags in the back of your mind. Uh, but there's something to be said about building relationship uh, because I think God uses that. Uh, and nothing's an accident to God. And, 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 and so uh, just be faithful. Be faithful to that person uh, and be faithful to what God has called you to do, and I think uh, God will use you to plant seeds. And here's here's the encouraging thing to me, because I, I have a lot of Mormon friends I've planted a lot of seeds with, who I will probably never have contact with again. But one of them just a, a few years ago, I saw on Facebook, I had left Mormonism and I became a Christian. Um, and uh, I, I planted a seed like in 8th grade, um, and then I didn't talk to them because I moved. Uh, but the seeds that I planted, I wasn't the harvester. Uh, someone else saw the harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're encouraged in First Corinthians chapter uh, one uh, that some say, "Well, I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Paul, and I love Apollos." Uh, we're all the seed scatterers, but ultimately, uh, the harvest is the Lord's. And so, uh, you might not see your Mormon friend give their heart to Jesus now, but the seeds that you plant and the love you have for them could germinate and grow and be harvested by someone else one day. So. Uh, does that kind of help with again, just a little bit about what Mormons believe but, but, but also that's just my two cents on, on how to witness to Mormons some Mormons I'll be honest some Mormons are, are, are so bullheaded in what they do uh, you either just be bullheaded with them or you just say I'm someone else like we'll, we'll take it uh, I mean and, and, and that's the case sometimes uh, we can't we can't win every battle um, so yeah another question those got a question in the back. Yeah, that was advocate, advocate question. 
question. Oh, I like devil's advocate question. Going back to the Mormonism and spirits Yeah. What if the Mormons are right, and that on the news every day we see murderers, rapists, bank robbers, what if they are actually spirits and Lucifer and his legion of uh, angels, fallen angels, that have uh, their on our earth going around and causing them to Yeah, okay. Okay, that was a good question. Uh, what if the Mormons' ideas of Satan's rebellion in heaven was right, and that we have these crazy traps, murders, rapists, and uh, drug lords who are really actual evil spirits uh, causing uh, havoc on earth? Um, well, just to throw the devil's advocate back, I don't know why we're advocating for the devil and talking about this stuff, but... Okay. Uh, there's a good chance... There's a good chance that a lot of those people uh, have entertained the thought of demons. Some of them are probably demon-possessed. So those fallen spirits, because Mormonism actually steals that part of that theology uh, from Christianity. There was a very real battle that took place in heaven when Satan rebelled against God. He wasn't Jesus' brother, but he did rebel against God. And those angels that rebelled with him, uh, many believe, uh, are demonic forces here on earth. And so, uh, to anyone demon-possessed, uh, just to switch the question back around, throw some Christian theology in it, stir it up, shake it, and then hand it back to you. Um, I was going to say shake it, not stirred right after I said shaken, so it's just a oxymoron. It didn't work. Uh, here's the thing. Yeah, there are very real people who are entertaining uh, the thoughts of demons and being possessed by demons and doing crazy things. So, um, yeah. There you go. Boom. Boom. Another question. Another question. Another group of people... Um, I, I, I see John's got his hand raised. Another group of people uh, who, uh, especially in Portland, you might run into, uh, but I know in other parts of the world you run into a lot. Um, how many of you guys have friends uh, who are like legitimately uh, Rastafarian? Anybody got Rasta friends? Mm. Okay, yeah. Uh, I know downtown Portland, uh, there's quite a few. I had a few at Portland State. Uh, their faith is, is very close to Christianity as well. Uh, and, and, and there's some very uh, tactful ways uh, of, uh, of revealing Christ to them as well. Uh, but that's another topic for another thing. Uh, okay, John, John's now laughing. I was, I was stretching at it. Oh, he, did, he was stretching at a question. Okay, someone else got a question. I know Sam's got another one. Anyone else? I want to give someone a chance before Sam unloads. He's got a lot. Anyone else? Okay, Sam, give me another question. No, I just had one. So, um, what would you say? Because so, this got right up a while ago. Um, in conversation. So when someone talks about in the Old Testament when God uses Israel to like fire like the nations, and they say, you know, why, why would I worship a God that did this? So kind of just to expand on like the morality of it. Okay, okay, that's good. So the question was um, asked by non-believers, um, why should I worship a God uh, who used Israel to slaughter? Uh, generations of people slaughter uh, families and children and whatnot. Uh, why should I serve a God who does that? Um, the answer uh, is not a comforting answer to the non-believer. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to be real uh, because God very much did do that. Okay, He very much used Israel to slaughter people. Um, one thing uh, is, is uh, to know the time and the culture um, and, and to understand the way things worked back then, uh, this is how I always approach that question. 
you have to look at it from a historical point of view. Uh, if Israel didn't utterly destroy um, their enemy, their enemy would come back and slaughter them. Um, so when God uh, says utterly destroy, uh, there's a preservation of his people. Um, and we actually see in Scripture when Israel was disobedient to utterly destroy, uh, that enemy then comes back in the long run and kills the Israelites. Uh, when they said, all right, God, <laughs> killing all these innocent children, probably not a good idea. Uh, let's just let them in. Uh, it ended up destroying Israel from the inside out. They got caught uh, in just a lot of sin and were sent off to captivity. So uh, that's all historical evidence as to why that would ha- take place. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, God is just uh, and, and God is moral. And that was a different time. Um, and we see through Jesus uh, now that God uh, has a different plan. Uh, it's not that God's plan originally was wrong, and so we had to change it up. Uh, no, God God orchestrated everything uh, that would lead to Jesus, and now through Jesus, uh, there isn't the slaughter. Uh, there is the redemption. Does that make sense? I think Bo had his hand up and was gonna was gonna point to something. So. Good call. Good call. So Bo, Bo once again throw the devil's advocate, which is great. Okay, uh, and I want you guys to know uh, when we're in conversations and stuff like this uh, in, in, in church, when we're asking the debate kind of questions, uh, it's it's awesome to say. Uh, for someone to be the devil's advocate because these are the questions that people are going to fire back at you. Uh, and, and so the one Bo fires back with is, well, if God is omnipotent, if God is all-powerful, if he's all-knowing and whatnot, uh, then why even allow there to be people who Israel would fight? Why couldn't he just uh, keep them trapped in a peaceful bubble, if that makes sense? Um, and the, qu- the answer to that question uh, traces all the way back to the very first human. Uh, it traces back to Adam. Um, when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world through one man. Uh, death entered the world through that sin. Uh, and as a result of what Adam did, uh, the title deed to earth was given uh, to the enemy. It was given to Satan. Um, and so it, that, that's not just God taking his hand off and allowing all chaos to break loose. No, what it is, is uh, man said, God, we don't need you anymore. We're going to do it on our own. Uh, and as a result of that, um, the natural progression is things continue to get worse. Uh, and Adam uh, and his descendants, things continue to get worse, worse, worse. To the time of the flood, uh, there was only one man found righteous on the face of the planet. I mean, we're talking over six, seven billion people on the planet. Only one person was righteous. Uh, so man left to their own devices. Uh, is bad and, and, and is evil, uh, and so how come uh, Israel uh, couldn't just be in their own peaceful bubble? Because uh, that's not the way uh, earth was after the fall. Uh, we live in a fallen world, and yes, God could change it all. Uh, it, it, and that's the way I would approach someone when I say that. I would say, yes, God could change it all, uh, and then I would say, and he has changed it all. Uh, he's given us Jesus. <laughs> and now you can put your faith in Jesus and be assured of this hope. 
and, and, and then you just you just run them into the gospel with that. Uh, and, and it comes to the the crossroads. Okay, I'm going to believe what the the second half of the Bible has to say. I'm not going to throw out the old, but I'm going to believe the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or I'm just going to reject it and say, well, yeah, you know what? I'm just not going to be happy because God, well, He killed people back in the Old Testament. Um, when it comes down to the time you're standing before God uh, on Judgment Day, and He says, it, He's not even going to say this, but, but let's just say God said, uh, well, how come you didn't believe in Me? Uh, the valid answer is, well, 4,000 years before, uh, before I lived, uh, you allowed people to kill people? I mean, is that really even a justifiable answer to, to why you're not going to believe? I mean, that's like saying to, to, to someone when they said you're late, it's because, uh, well, uh, 400 years ago they had chariots and I could have taken a back road that a chariot worked on, but my car didn't go through that back road, so the shortcut didn't work, so now I had to go through town, go through traffic. I mean, it's like it, you're just drawing blanks trying to justify your own want to do sin. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Uh, if you're going to question God's authority and why he did these things, you're really just trying to justify uh, your own wants and desires to do sin. Because the reason why people have a problem with God, the reason why uh, people want to outright reject God, is because when you accept that there is a God, you accept that there is accountability uh, for your actions. And so it's easy just to say, well, there's no God, because now there's no accountability for my actions. I can do whatever I want, whatever I please, without any ramifications. But the second you say there is a God, and the second you say there is a God who has real rights and wrongs, uh, you now put accountability to your actions. And people don't like accountability. Let's be honest. We as followers of Christ don't even like accountability all the time. Right? Like, I want to get away with doing wrong. Uh, but I'm lucky I serve a God who says, no, Matt, you can't get away with it. Your sin will find you out. Uh, and it does. Because... Uh, I'm renewed as a result of that. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, it's 9 o'clock. Uh, I'm going to do one more question. Uh, Sid's got her hand raised, but uh, we're, we're going to be, I'm going to try and wrap this question up uh, in about 10 minutes or so until we can get on our way. So, Sid. Okay, good, 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 good. So, so Sydney asked the question for for those of you who who didn't hear it, and just to reiterate it, uh, in the Old Testament, when God makes the covenant with Abraham uh, that you must be circumcised, and that every man uh, who who is a part of your family must be circumcised, or else you're not a part of the the covenant, uh, then I mean, it's either circumcised or you're not. And for all y'all who know what circumcision is, I'm not going to get graphic on you, uh, but it's not a very comfortable situation if you're a 35-year-old man, okay? Uh, and so, uh, yeah, like, and that's what these dudes were having to go through. And so the question is, uh, well, what if I'm not circumcised? Does that mean I can't have eternal life with Jesus Christ? Um, and that's the very same thing uh, that the Jews uh, were asking of Paul. We're asking of Peter, we're asking of James in the New Testament. Um, there was actually a huge debate um, where Peter and Paul, the two all-stars of Christianity in the first century, they butt heads because Peter said, if you become a Christian, you become circumcised. Whether you're eight months old 
or 60 years old, you get circumcised. There were a group of Christians who were called the Judaizers who were trying to uh, mandate Jewish law on the Christians. But Paul said, whoa, 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 whoa. The law is not what saves us. The law is the tutor that led us to Christ, but it's through what Christ did uh, that we have salvation. So they actually had a pretty heated argument. Uh, and so they go to Jerusalem and they go uh, to uh, the brother of Jesus, James, who was a Jewish Jew, who Peter was like, sweet, yeah, everyone's going to have to be circumcised. But the Holy Spirit had a different plan. And James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have a letter that he writes in the book of Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 16 or 17, uh, and, 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 and it is in reference to uh, circumcision. And um, then we know through Paul's letters uh, that circumcision is no longer the physical act of circumcision. Uh, yes, every believer has to be circumcised uh, to have eternal life uh, and, and with Jesus Christ, but it's not a circumcision physically. Uh, it's what Paul refers to as a circumcision of the heart. Uh, the flesh is cut away, uh, and the spirit takes place. And uh, uh, it is through giving your heart to Jesus that that circumcision takes place, and now you are partaking of <coughs> the covenant with Abraham uh, that is now taken from a physical stance to a spiritual stance. Uh, and now when you give your heart to Jesus, you've been circumcised, and it's of the heart. Uh, the flesh is cut away, and now you can live for the Lord. Does that answer your question? Awesome. I think that was a good question to end on. Uh, let's pray. We're going to pick up next week uh, with some more Q&A. So I want to just prep you guys now. Write down questions. I want everyone to come with at least one question on how to uh, witness to uh, lost. And I'll write down for you guys just because I think it's awesome uh, how the stars and everything uh, point to Christ. Uh, but with that being said, let's pray. Uh, and then we will go from this place and fellowship. Uh, remember, Lent is starting tomorrow, and so if you want more information, uh, come talk to me. I think that'd be sweet. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much uh, for who you are. We thank you for your word. Um, God, we thank you that your word is true, uh, and that everything in your word is true, uh, that not one thing contradicts itself, um, and that on every single page you're revealing uh, your heart to us. Uh, God, we pray that uh, we would continue to be intentional as we approach your word. Uh, God, you would speak to us through your word. God, that we would be transformed from the inside out. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's wonderful, beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.